of interesting and fun, and I had such a great time with our Oak Hills family, our Crown Ridge family. And if anything that I got out of that last week, well, I got a lot of things, but one was this, that the whole time through all four services, all I kept thinking was, this is family. This is family. This is family. And even though in a couple of weeks we're going to make the turn and, and we're going to become Bridge Church Fredericksburg, we're still family. Does that make sense? And so I, it was just so drilled into me by the Lord, and it just was really encouraging. But thank you for your prayer. Thank you for your support. I spent literally all of Monday returning emails from people who are watching online all over the United States, writing in to say that Miss Charlene's story and Brian and Haley's story and Kate and Austin's story impacted their life. And I spent all day recurring texts and private messages on social media, and I literally spent the whole day doing that. And it was so beautiful to see how when you put the go in gospel, people get excited. Because really, were we not created for this? Jesus said, I will make you fishers of what? Men, I'll make you fishers of people. I will make you, in fact, I'm going to make you into that. You weren't born that, but you were born again to become that. And Jesus, who disciples us and teaches us, now puts this in us where we now have the privilege of putting the go in gospel. Now, here's the thing. That was last week, and this is today. So here's what happened. While I was preaching, and by the time I got through, we were driving home, all I could think about was, we're not done with this topic. Because sometimes, and what I love about having some, we're going to build out the, the year. We already have all the fall planned and, and all that. But we're going to build in points where if the Lord throws us a curveball, then we're going to go with what the Lord throws us, not just what we had planned. You know what I mean? It's all good. It's all good. Planning's blessed. We're thankful for it. But we're always going to have moments where we can depart if we need to. And this is one of those moments where I felt like we need to continue this thought but I want to shift gears a little bit because we talked about putting the go in gospel, which is a little bit 30,000 foot level. I wanted to bring it down to where you and I live, and I want to get real personal with you. Here's the deal. Putting the go in your God dream. We sort of blew the dust off that last week when I opened that, and it was like that seemed to hit home. So I want to talk a little bit more about that, and I'm going to get real practical with this. You have to understand this. God has put something in you that is unique to you, and it will be unique for the world. Now, your world may be 100,000 people. It may be a million. It may be five. It may be your family and your dog. But you have an orbit and a sphere of influence that God has given you, and you get the privilege of stewarding that influence. And so putting the go in the God dream is simply this, is that God's put something on your heart. Now, what do you do about it? What's next? I love the scripture. It says this, that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to what? Our path. It doesn't say it's a halogen beam that lights the whole road, right? This isn't a whole city lit up so you can drive at night. It literally means the next step, the very next thing. Not the next five things, not the next ten things, but he will give you the next thing. Why? Because we walk by faith and not by what? The just shall live by their faith. So we're called, in fact, there's a reason, this is the hard part about being a Christian, there's a reason it's called the faith. It means we have to walk by faith. Amen. That means we don't always get the end from the beginning, even though we know he sees that, we don't. 
have that luxury. So we follow him, and he leads us a step at a time. So I want to talk about putting the go in your God dream, following the call. A number of years ago, Annette and I went up to a conference in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it was uh, during the whole faith-based initiative. You remember when all that was a big deal with George W.? Big deal. They were actually reaching out to churches saying, help us. Government entities and funding is not taking care of the most basic and real needs. So if you're a church or a, or a Christian organization, we will actually, if you qualify, give you money to do what you do best, and that is to minister to people. I'm like, what? The government's going to pay for ministry? I'm in. So I attended a, a, a seminar on that with some of our state representatives. It was legit. We went to Dallas-Fort Worth, learned what, how to do a 501c3, and we began to dream about what God would want to do in Abilene, Texas. And so as we were driving, we received a God dream. And it was this. It would be called the Life Enrichment Center. And it would be a place... Now, we didn't know at, at the time what we were going to do with it. We just knew God gave us a name that was Christian enough to be Christian, but not Christian enough so that it was sort of under the radar. That was intentional. So we felt like God gave us the idea that we were to file a 501c3 for the Life Enrichment Center. But now the next thing was, so what are we to do with it? All of this precipitated this, us listening to the voice of the Spirit. Because we knew he'd put something in us that we were to do something outside the church walls in the culture in which we lived. You do realize the building is not a church. We are the church. You're the church. Turn to your neighbor and say, he is so talking about you right now. You're the church. You're the church. I don't know what all four at HEB is anymore. They've messed the whole thing up over there. I'm not even trying. You can't even help me now. I'm in trouble. Marcus can't help me with all four. He works there. So we're all lost. So everything's... But we're the church wherever we go, wherever we live, wherever we work, and wherever we play, we are the body of Christ, called to be Jesus, building bridges of life and hope everywhere we live, work, and play. Amen? That's who we are. So we knew we, we had a God idea, but we didn't know what to do with it, so we prayed. So we did some research and found out in Taylor County where we lived, had the highest, the highest problem with teen pregnancy in all, in, in all of Texas, in every county. Taylor County was the, was the highest percentage-wise. And so we thought, well, we need to do something about that. Lord, what do we do? Found out about an organization in Midland, Texas. We went to school on them. We visited them. Annette went and sat in with them and meet them. And they said, we will give you our curriculum where you can go into the schools and you can teach you can teach abstinence program from a faith-based perspective, but yet somewhat veiled so that it's appropriate in the, in the public school system. And we will give you the program. And I said, how about better yet, could you give me the name of the people who actually authored the program? Because we saw the program and thought we could build a better mousetrap. So I actually contacted the authors of the program themselves, and they gave it to me, and they gave me the rights to change it. Because when I explained what we were doing with it, they said, go for it. So we took this little program, we threw it on MacBook computers, we bought screens, we, bought, we wrote a federal capacity grant and scored $50,000 right out of the gate. So the Life Enrichment Center was born. What was it? It was a God idea, not a good idea. It was a God dream, not a my dream. 
But we sensed God in it, and we ran after it. We, we built up a team of volunteers who went into the public school systems. Annette and her team went and met with principals and school counselors. And remember, this was during the faith-based initiative. It wasn't hostile territory. And they went into the schools and said, we would like to bring a three-day program. All you have to do is give us your classes or your student body for three days. We'll do the work, and we'll teach a class, and we'll teach them and we believe that we can curb the teen pregnancy rate in Taylor County. And believe it or not, they said, okay. Well, they, first of all, they said, well, how much does this cost? We said, it's free. Keyword, free. They were like, come on in. They opened their doors in how many years did this run? Six years. Six years we taught, we were face-to-face -face with over 12 thousand public school students bringing this message of hope in life and make no mistake it was the gospel we just didn't quote chapter verse but we brought Jesus into the public school system over 12,000 kids in the central Texas area and when the faith-based initiative went away that was our time and that that season closed but I'm telling you God did something amazing why because we're amazing? No. You know what we are? We're average. We're not special. We're average. We're just like anybody else. But here's what God delights in. He delights in taking average people and doing above average things. He delights in taking ordinary people, touching them, and doing the extraordinary. What is the God idea that he's put in your heart? Oh, by the way, that's not the last one in our heart. There are more. What is it that God has put in your heart that you can't sleep about? That bugs you? That wakes you up in the middle of the night? Or you wake up in the morning thinking about it? What is it in your mind that God's put there that is so much bigger than you that you know that if God doesn't touch it, it's not going to happen? A lot of times we get a God idea. We get a God dream. He gives it to us, and it's amazing. And yet, the more we think about it, we default to the how instead of spending time with the wow. And just saying, thank you, Lord, that you would even think that I could even participate in something at that level. But instead, we default to the how and we talk ourselves right out of it. Well, it's too expensive. It's not the right time. Well, it's not my season of life. Or I'm too old. Do I need to bring Miss Charlene right back up here and tell that story again? <laughs> that that excuse just went out our window, didn't it? <laughs> Thank you, Miss Charlene. <laughs> Church mama, right there. Last week we talked about putting the go in the gospel, and I just want to just recap just the moment. And Jesus came and said to them in, verse Matthew, in Matthew 28, verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. You wonder what the therefore is there for? It's for him to confer authority upon us to fulfill the mission, the mandate, the calling on our lives. And he says, do this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That literally means as you are going in aisle four at HEB and wherever else, whatever it is now. Therefore, as you are going, make disciples of all the nations. Disciple the nations in doing this, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, in Acts chapter 16, let me ask you a question. 
Has God ever thrown you a curveball? Am I the only human in the room? I played a lot of baseball growing up. I was a pitcher, I was a catcher, I was a shortstop, I was a third baseman. Those were my main positions. I loved baseball. I was all in. So I know what a curveball looks like. I've whiffed a few curveballs. If you're a baseball player, you know that means I completely missed it. Swung out of my shoes sometimes. Listen, curveball will catch you off guard. Here's the deal. God has no problem throwing you a curveball. He has no problem bringing in a left hook that you didn't see coming. And it's no different in Paul's life. Now, sometimes this God dream or this good idea, is it a good idea, God idea, God dream, or my dream? He will sometimes bring a curve right in the middle of all that. And we see such a situation happen with the Apostle Paul on his second missionary journey. By the way, on his second missionary journey was when the church at Philippi was established. There was a lot of outposts that were established on the, on the missionary journeys. But when you read the book of Philippians, which was one of Paul's favorite churches, he talked about, you just bring me so much joy. I just rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. That book is a book of joy because he loved the Philippian people. That church was established on this journey. And while he's on this journey... He runs into a situation where God throws a curveball. Or you could say it this way, God threw a big crescent wrench right in the middle of his spokes. So here's what happened. Acts chapter 16, verse 6, and it's on the screen. And they went, they, who's they? Paul's on a journey, it's with Timothy and Silas. And then Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, later joins them. And the language in the book will actually change to us or we. And they, at this point, Luke was not with them. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Before we read on, we have to see what that just said. They were forbidden by the Spirit of God to preach the gospel. Does that strike anybody as odd? They were forbidden to preach the gospel. Did we not just read what Jesus said to do? Put the go in gospel. Go everywhere, everywhere, throughout the whole world, preaching, baptizing, making disciples. And now they're doing that. Paul is actually walking out the apostolic mandate. And in the middle of that, the Holy Spirit forbids him from preaching the good news. He got a curveball in the middle of his God idea. He was going one way, wanted to go one way, and the Holy Spirit forbid him. You ever had a curveball thrown your way? Look what happens. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. All right, strike two. Here's another curveball. He just got two in a row. He wanted to go here, and the Holy Spirit forbid him. Then he tried to go over here, and the Spirit of Jesus stopped him. I mean, he's like a pinball in a pinball machine, old school, bouncing around, lights are going off. He doesn't know which way is up. What is a person to do when there is no clarity on the journey? Well, before we go too deep, I'm a map nerd, sorry for you who are not, but I love maps because I like to know where all this stuff is happening. So if you'll notice down here in the bottom right, you've got Jerusalem. It says Palestine, Jerusalem, Caesarea. All of that is Israel as it was known then and today. And now Paul takes four, possibly five, missionary journeys. He goes up through Syria, and you can see the red, area, red arrow up to Tarsus, Cilicia, on up. You can follow 
the, the, the line there. He gets up in, there's Galatia and Phrygia, just mentioned that. And then on up towards Sea Bithynia at the top, just below the Black Sea. So that was where Paul felt like he should be going, and the Holy Spirit stopped him. And so he made a turn. You notice he's going north, and now he heads west. And now as he's going there, he's going to come again, and again he's going to get stopped. So at some point, you, gotta, you have to wonder when you're on a journey and you're getting forbidden, the Scripture says, not only forbidden, but now you're, you're not allowed. You're forbidden and you're not allowed. There must be something that God is up to. So here's what he did. Acts 16. So passing by Mysia, you see it up there, by passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Now Troas is on a coast, and so they're sitting, waiting, and look what happens. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Can you imagine that? He sees in a vision somebody saying, come over here. Come over here and help us. Come over here. This happens in a vision, in a dream, if you will, in the night. So what does Paul do? Does he decide to wait? Does he go to get a lot of counsel about that? Does he go into prayer and fasting? Let's see what Paul does next. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately, say immediately out loud. There's a time to move. There's a time to put the go back into your God dream. In this case, he moves, and look what happens. We sought to go into Macedonia, not even where he intended to go, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. He wanted to go to Bithynia. He wanted to go on up into Asia. He wanted to stay in those northern regions. Paul says, you're going to go south. You want to go north, you're going south. Aren't, I bet Paul's glad he listened. Here's the point. Your God dream is going to be tested. If God's put something in your heart that's bigger than you, it's going to be tested in a number of ways, and we're going to look at those tests because this is where it gets really practical. So before we even launch into that, I want to ask a question. What is it that God's put in your heart that's bigger than you? What is it you would say, man, this is something I would want to do. I've, had, I've lost count of how many people I've, have come to me and said, I want to do a children's home. I want to do something to help kids. I've lost count of how many people say, I want to, I want to build, I've got some land and I'd like to build something so that missionaries and pastors could come in and, and have respite from the mission field or respite from ministry and a place to breathe. And I've got beautiful, I've lost count of how many people told me that. I've lost count of how many people in Fredericksburg have B&Bs. Lord. And many of them have told me, many of you have said, I would love for, for you to come and just stay for a weekend just to chill, just to, just to relax and get away. And I'd love to host pastors. So many people have these things in their heart to do, but for one reason or another, they have not stepped out into it. So let's look at some practicals. Number one, putting the go in your God dream. So what do you do? Paul, listen, but what do we do? Here's what we do. We embrace the dream, and then we begin to pray the dream. What is it that God's put into your heart? First thing you have to do is embrace it as a God dream. This is something God has put on my heart. Now here's what you don't do. Don't start saying how. Because you're going to easily default to, I don't have the money, it's not the right time. I don't have resources. I don't have the backing. I don't have the social status. I don't have the degree. I don't have the pedigree. I don't have... 
It's easy. We can default to the how and talk ourselves out of it in 13 seconds. But you have to embrace the dream and say, you know what, I believe God's put something in my heart. And it's huge. And it's big. So I guess today the idea is to give you permission to dream again for what maybe has gotten cluttered and diminished over time. What is it that is in your heart that you know is bigger than you? What is it? Would you dare to uncover your God dream again? Embrace it. Pray it. Here's another thing. Dare to take one brave step toward the dream. I've quoted James 4, 8 a thousand times here in the last three and a half years. And I believe that verse with all my heart. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. You know what that precipitates? Me taking a step. Well, pastor, there's value in waiting on the Lord. Yes, there is. But you know what? Waiting in the Bible is not passive waiting. It's not swinging in a hammock on a fall day. Waiting in the Scripture is actually active in nature because you're engaging your relationship with Him. There's nothing passive about that. So waiting may not mean you step out into the dream itself, but in the meantime, you've got something to cultivate, and that's your relationship with Jesus. And so it's not a passive waiting, it's an active waiting. Dare to take one brave step toward the dream. I'm not saying go all the way. I'm saying lean toward, take a step. Even if it's a baby step, as we say in Financial Peace University, take a baby step. And what he will do is affirm or confirm every step you take toward him. Because it's his idea and he wants to see it fulfilled. Here's another one. We're just going to go practical. Ignore the chatter and rise above the noise. You know, whenever we get a God idea, guess what? The noise level comes up. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an idea. Everybody has an agenda. And everybody wants you to know theirs. In fact, we've created social media and the internet just so you can know everybody's opinion about everything, right? Including mine. I throw it out there all the time. I've just jumped in the mix. Can't beat them, join them. Just jump in. But here's the deal. There's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of noise. And at some point, you've got to rise above it. Almost like an eagle, you've got to fly into the storm to go over the storm and rise above the noise and the chatter. Because there will be lots of noise and lots of chatter static, things to distract you because guess what? There's a real enemy out there. In fact, listen to this. Keep listening to the voice of the Spirit. What Paul didn't do is pack up and go back to Israel. Go back to Jerusalem. Well, this missionary trip was a bust. God stopped us twice. So we must be out of the will of God. I prayed once and nothing happened. I must be out of the will of God. There's something to be said for persistence. Can I get an amen? amen? Keep listening to the voice of the Spirit. He's speaking. His voice goes out. Remember in Isaiah 6, whom shall we send? Who will go? That voice goes out. And even the construct of the Hebrew in that passage means it never stops. It's perpetual. It's like the, the sound waves and microwaves and radio waves that are going through us right now, right here. There's noise and chatter in the atmosphere, but also God's voice is going out. Who will go for us? Who will go for us? Whom shall we send? Who, sh who will go? Keep listening. The God who spoke still speaks. The Spirit who speaks still speaks. The Spirit who acted still acts. Amen? 
Keep listening for his voice. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. Just, just take a step. Just lean. But don't stop. One thing I learned in football was never be caught on the field standing still. That is the best way to get your bell rung and to get your tail kicked by your coach on Saturday morning during film. Because if you're not moving, if you're standing still, nothing's happening. And you're a sitting duck. And you're going to get beat on the play. Always keep moving. Keep putting one foot in front of the other, even if it's a millimeter. Whether it's a millimeter or a mile, celebrate every little bit gained. But lean towards it. Let me ask you a question. And let me tell you something, by the way. I am so hashtag preaching to myself today. I'm serious. There is something in me that has been in me for years. I'm afraid to utter it out loud because everybody and their dog has kept me accountable to this. And I still haven't stepped out on it. Well, I am now. I've already got a title. And I've got some chapter idea already moving forward. I may or may not tell you what it is later. We'll see. Keep putting one foot. I sort of gave it away. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. Here's another one. Don't quit in the face of resistance or ambivalence. Isn't it funny how when we get a God idea, we want to go tell everybody, right? We learn a lesson from Joseph. It's not always wise to tell your God dream. There's a timing to that, right? But Joseph learned the hard way. He went, told his dream, and it got him thrown in a pit. It got him in prison. It got him almost killed. It got him uh, literally completely shunned by his family, by his brothers. His God story was out of time. It was out of sync. But let me just say something. You will face resistance and sometimes even worse, ambivalence. You come up. You're so excited. God has downloaded something to you from Throne Central. You're excited. You're like, man, I got something. God's working on something. Let me share it. And you share it. And it's like, is it lunch yet? <laughs> You've been met with ambivalence. I'm almost like, bring some resistance. At least I know I'm pushing something. But ambivalence can be devastating. Because you think everybody's going to be excited as you are about your God dream. And what's really interesting, and you learn this with people dynamics. Oh, been doing this a long time. The people you thought were going to be excited, won't be. And the people that you thought won't give a rip, are the ones who become your biggest fans. It's like, What? Never think you got this thing figured out called people. Amen? I don't, and I've been doing this a long time. Don't quit. Don't give up. Others may not be excited about your God dream. Leads right into that one. But here's the bottom line. Am I feeding off the energy of other people to get done what God's called me to do, or is He my source? Because if that God dream is of God, if it's His... He will furnish the energy, the resources, everything it takes, the empowerment to do what He's called me to do. So who am I feeding off of? If I get dissuaded by resistance or ambivalence, then I'm looking at the wrong thing for my source. Amen? You must counter the lies of the enemy with truth. You had to know I was going to go there on identity. The truth sets us free. What, is, what do lies do? They bind us. The enemy will bring lies to you like you're not good enough. 
You don't have what it takes. Who do you think you are? You know why I know that's what the enemy says? Is because that's what he speaks to me. Well, don't you know what kind of past you had? You never fit in. You'll never make it. You're going to fail. There comes a point where you have to say, wait a minute, where did that voice come from? What is the source of that? And here's what I always ask these things. Is this, I'll say, Father, is this the truth? I already know the answer usually before I even ask, but I ask it anyway. And I do it out loud, by the way. I give power to words. Power, words are power containers. Use your voice. Father, is this true? You know what the answer coming back is. Son, I'll give you everything you need to fulfill what I've called you to do. If I call you to it, I will see you through it. So you step out in faith and I will meet you there. You know, it's like that um, Indiana Jones. Remember when he was standing on the edge of that cliff? This is classic. This is great. We're going way back here. He's standing on a cliff and he's got to get to the grail. He's got to get to that. And he's, he knows it's a cross there and he's got to cross this massive chasm in this epic cave. And he stands on the edge of it and he reads this riddle that's telling him what to do and it says it's a step of faith. He's standing there and he has a decision to make. He says it's a step of faith, which means if I get the riddle right, it means when I step out, something's going to be there. Remember the scene? What happened? He even said it's a step of faith. And he stepped out and when he did, it was solid. And then the camera in very epic Hollywood fashion pans and you see this bridge was there all along. He just couldn't see it. Let me tell you something. That is what faith is. Faith means I step out irregardless of what I see in front of me because I walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by their faith. We're called to fight the good fight of faith. We are called to faith. If, and without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to him must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith. It's all about faith. So you step out knowing he's called you to it. He'll see you through it. What is it in your heart that you've been called to do that you've not quite stepped out? You take the truth of the scripture and you counter the lies of the enemy. The enemy says, I'm not good enough. God says, I've been made to be holy. The enemy says, you don't have what it takes. God says, I've been made to be unaccusable. And that his grace is sufficient. I mean, you can go on and counter every lie with truth. Here's the next one. You write the vision so that you may return to it often. I've been keeping a journal since 1985, which means I have a lot of words written down. But a lot of those words that I've written down are things that people have spoken to me or over my life, prophetic in nature. I remember in 2011, 2012, Jim LaFoon, Nashville, Tennessee, I was at a ministry school, and he prophesied over me. He said, you'll bring things both old and new. You carry the crook of the shepherd and the blade of the evangelist. He just went on and on and on. Nine minutes worth. Then he spoke over Annette and she wasn't even there and he nailed it. It was like, wow. Did you know that it, I'm just now beginning to see some of those things come to fruition? But here's the deal. 
had I just blew that off and thought, well, none of that happened today. None of it happened this week, so it must not be from God. But you know what I've done? I've committed that word to memory. I've read that word a thousand plus times. I have it written down. I even had the cassette tape of it. Come on, somebody. Cassette. Did you hear me? I had that tape. But that tape runs in my mind and runs in my spirit constantly. There's so much, I believe, in that word about Fredericksburg. Now, what is that? I wrote the vision. I actually transcribed it. Wrote it all down. Took forever. I wrote it all down. So I actually have it transcribed. Now listen to this out of Habakkuk. And we'll close with this. Habakkuk 2, 2 says this. And the Lord answered me and gave some direction here. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Have you written down your God dream? Have you put it down on a journal or typed it into something, a document? Something that you can get your eyes on? Because let me tell you, if you don't, a year from now, two years from now, you may not even remember it, but God never forgets what He gives. And if God gives us something that keeps us up at night for a season, don't you think it's, mo it's important enough to write down so that we can remember? Look what the Scripture says. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets. You don't have to get out a chisel, just type it. So he may run who reads with it. Verse 3, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. Why? Because God is a God of timing, sequence, and order. You do know the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. There is a timing to what God does. Look what it says. For this, still the vision awaits its pointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Just because you prayed a couple of times about your God dream and it didn't happen doesn't mean it's not going to happen. There is an appointed time. And could it be if you will take a step even if it's a baby step. You'll lean toward. You'll move out. You will put the go back into the God dream. It'll come back alive for you. I'm praying dangerous prayers for you right now. Sorry if you have lost sleep lately. That's my fault. I'm asking God to resurrect the dreams he's put in your heart. Not for the church's sake, but for the kingdom's sake. This isn't about Bridge Church, Oak Hills Church, any church. It's about you and your relationship with Jesus and you walking out what he's put in your heart to do and fulfilling what you've been created for, fulfilling your dream, fulfilling his dream for your life. That's the call, putting the go back in your God dream. Can you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for challenging us, how you call us up, you meet us where we are, but you love us so much you do not leave us there. And you call us into new places. You call us on adventure with you. I pray for my friends and family that are here today and those that are listening online or watching. I ask you, Lord, to blow the wind of your spirit over their heart and blow away the dust, the dirt, and the debris off of the God dream that you have placed there. And if there is anyone here who feels like they've never heard or received something like that, I'm asking as a favor to a good father. I'm a son 
So as a son, I'm asking, Father, would you release a God dream into their life over the next few days or weeks or months? Would you release that and begin to show them their purpose, what they were created to do and created for? We honor you, we love you, and we embrace and we pray into the God dreams. Give us the grace to put the go, not only in the gospel, but in the God dream. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.